in these series of standalone messages, I start a brand new series again the weekend after Labor Day, but in these standalone messages, I've, I've been preaching some, some burdens of mine uh, that, that just come out of all the one another's of Scripture. And so we kind of landed, or we not kind of, we landed in First Thessalonians because that's where a lot of them are. And so I, I, I've been talking to you about the church should be a place where we love one another, pray for one another, support one another, uh, and encourage one another. And so after I preach that sermon, encourage one another, I, I just want you to, sh I want to show you what, what, uh, what a church member uh, emailed me. Yeah, they're, they're now an ex-church member. <laughs> that is not encouraging. And it's not even encouraging you laugh. Fact is, I get that. I get that about the Dallas Cowboys and Three Stooges and whatever. And so then, then um, I think it was either Friday or it was Friday. I'm, I'm like reading some sports news. And then I read the story that says the Dallas Cowboys are no longer America's team. I mean, will the news not get any more depressing? I mean, yeah, 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 oh, that was, that was heartfelt. So, uh, <laughs> a little sarcasm in there. So, anyway, so anyway, so why don't we do this? Why don't, why don't you open up your Bibles, electronic devices, whatever, First Thessalonians chapter 1. I, I want to talk to you about just the, some keys, three keys to a dynamic church, three keys to a healthy church. And so I want to walk through First Thessalonians uh, with you, that first chapter. And we're, we're going to look at some, some, some principles of a, of a dynamic church and what is a dynamic church and, and how do you know you're in one and all of those other things. And so while you're clicking there, turning to First Thessalonians 1, uh, le let me just remind you or, or about the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Now, Many of us have seen that movie. I saw that movie. And, and so there were some moments in that movie that I still remember that were just huge for me. I don't know what the biggest scene was for you. I know what the biggest scene was for me. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of epic scenes. There, there's uh, the miracles of Jesus. And, and, and uh, there's, there's how he the way in which he dealt with people and, and how he prayed. There's a garden of Gethsemane when he begins praying and agonizing about going to the cross and the, the disciples with him. There's the Lord's Supper. Um, there's a crucifixion scene, whether it's him going to the cross, him being beaten and tortured and, and goes to the cross, and then there's like the crucifixion, and then there's that moment in time when like that teardrop drops from, from heaven, remember that? And for me, it was just like all of a sudden just, just stood still, and you, you realized at a, at, a, at, a, at a deep level what was happening, what took place, and all of those other things, and then, then maybe for you, maybe you'd say, you know what, for me it was like the resurrection or, or, or some of those things, but for me, just real interesting, is the most powerful scene in that movie is when Isaiah 53, 5 came up, and, and on the screen, it was just a black screen, it was just kind of a, a, a still part within the movie, and, and the scripture reads this, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds, uh, we are healed. Here's the reason that that scene, that part was so epic or powerful for me. Is that if you, take out, if you take out the word out of the movie, if you take out the presence of God out of the movie, then you're just left with like a hero. You're just left with like an action movie. And whenever you take the word out of that movie, it's just like any other movie. See, it, it's the word, and, it, it, and it's the fulfillment of the word, and it's the presence of God that makes that movie so epic, and the same is for the church. What makes the church a church is his word and the presence of God. 
whenever a church, whenever a church pulls out the word or pulls out the presence of God out of their local gathering, it's just like a social club. Church may do some great things, but it really, if you pull out the word and you pull out the presence of God, it's no different than the Rotary Club. It's no different, different than the Elks Club. It may do some great things, but the power, the power in the, in the church, the power in, in a body is, is just the word and, and, and what God does in the midst of that. See, really and truly, the church isn't for us. The church is for him, and it's a place where we come and we worship him. It's a place when we come where we just we connect and we step into the presence of God corporately and we step into the presence corporately together and we not only connect with him but we we connect with one another and we encourage one another by the way in which we worship by the way in which we engage by the way in which we do life and so Paul is telling the people there in Thessalonica about this about the word and about the word is just so powerful and he's encouraging them because we live in a time when when the news can be depressing right I mean, you're probably just as broken up as I am over the news about the Cowboys are no longer America's team. But the news, the news can be depressing, right? That's, that's why I'm so thankful right now for the Olympics because it just takes the focus off of political news for a while. We can just focus on the Olympics. The other night I was thinking, could these Olympics not go through November? Can we just not continue on until November? It just kind of takes the focus off of some of the other news and some of the other political news and, and, and all of those other things. You know what's interesting for me and maybe for you is every Olympics is different. I mean, I, I, I love the athletes and I love the different sporting events and all of those other things, but, but all of a sudden every Olympics just kind of takes on a story of its own. And those athletes, especially the American athletes that, that, that stand up and they give interviews and all of a sudden they start giving glory to God. And they start talking, talking about, you know, it wasn't really about winning and losing. It was, just like, it was just like honoring God with the platform that he's given me, with the gifts he's given me, with the abilities that he's given me. For me, it's about, it's about honoring him and bringing glory to him. And it's one thing when that athlete, when he or she is, is like won the gold medal. But for me, it's, it's even more powerful when, when they didn't get the gold. And they still stand up and they say, you know what, for me, it's not really about winning and losing as much as bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ, my Savior, and what he's, what he's done for me. But Paul is talking about this issue. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, then we'll get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. What words? He's talking about encouraging one another with the word, encouraging one another, one another with, 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 with Scripture. See, the, the backstory, the commentary on First and Second Thessalonians is found in Acts chapter 17. It's uh, Paul planted those, that church there in his second mission, missionary journey. And so he plants his church along with, with Timothy. The Jews get upset, so they persecute Paul. They run him out of town. He goes to Athens. He's in Athens, and he's wondering how the church is doing in Thessalonica, and he wants to encourage them, you know, because he's wondering, uh, did they, did, are they pressing into God? Did they, did they, like, tap the brakes? Did they fold? Did they, did they crumble under the pressure? And so he writes them a letter. In fact, it's two letters, about 51 A.D., and he writes them two letters to encourage them. And so here's what he writes in, in verse 2. We're going to walk through these verses, and I'm going to give you three keys of a dynamic church. He's in verse 2, he says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mention you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work and faith and labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul starts off and he says, I just want you to know you guys encourage me. 
I just want you to know in difficult circumstances, you guys didn't tap the brakes, you guys didn't fold, you guys didn't disband, even though there was persecution, even though it was difficult, uh, you, you pressed in and you've continued on. In other words, that Paul is encouraging them. See, it brought him the same encouragement that it can bring us when we hear another believer's testimony or when we have, hear an uh, Olympic athlete that stands up and says, you know what, it's really not about winning and losing as much as just bringing honor and glory to my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Paul begins encouraging them as they have encouraged him. So I want to give you three keys, three keys of a, of a dynamic church, three keys of a healthy church. The first one is this, people are hearing the word. In other words, people are hearing the word of God. There's, there's the word of God. I mean, the word of God is, is preached. Uh, we not only preach the word of God, we not only teach the word of God, we not only read the word of God, we memorize the word of God, we sing, we sing the word of God. In other words, when you look at it, we're, we're a healthy church, a dynamic church is when, when the word just has, it has great priority in the body. I mean, that's why we, that's why we life journal. That's the power of life journaling. If you're not life journaling, I would encourage you uh, to find out more. You can find out in, in, uh, at our information kiosk in, in, the, uh, in the Welcome Center. But I would encourage you, if you're not life journaling, to life journal. Life journaling is just a systematic plan of reading through the Bible in a year. You read through the, the Old Testament once, and you read through the New Testament twice in the course of a year. And, and it puts everybody, listen, it puts everybody, it brings unity to a church because we're all, we're all reading the same scripture. We're all reading the same scripture at the same time. And listen, this isn't new to Fellowship of the Rockies. Early, you study early church history, you find that the early church for hundreds of years, they did this. I mean, it's powerful, right? When, when it was powerful for me, when, when my wife, Karen, when she says, says, you know, I was reading today and she gives me the verse and, and this encouraged me or I think this is a verse for you. And, and so it's powerful in marriage. It's powerful in relationships. It's powerful in church, right? When, when all of a sudden someone talks to you or shares a verse with you or talks to you about scripture or encourages you with the word, Paul said in verse four, he goes on and he says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen He's chosen you. Listen, regardless of our circumstance, that should bring us joy right there. You realize you've been chosen by God, and he, he, he doesn't stop there. He starts talking about the issue of the gospel. He says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for, for, for your sake. So Paul begins talking about the gospel. I've defined out the gospel for you, but, but the gospel is like, is like good news. I mean, it's good news that we've been chosen by God. It's good news that we've been chosen by a holy and a righteous and a loving God and that, and that we're not here by accident. Not one person is here by accident. God, God has a reason. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. We're chosen by God. We're loved by God. But the bad news is this. The bad news is, is that our sin, has separated from a holy and a righteous God. In fact, as the scripture says, that we've all sinned and we fall short of the, of the glory of God. And so our sin separates us from a holy God. But, but the good news is this, that in, in spite of our sin, in spite of ourselves, God reached out to us in the form of his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who, who came and he led a, uh, and lived a, a perfect life. He, he, he went to the cross. He was crucified. Um, he... He was buried, and on the third day, he, he rose again. And because of that, because of that, when we choose him, because of that, we can have forgiveness of sin. 
to have a relationship with a holy God. Listen, I'm telling you, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what we're walking through, this should, this should bring you joy, right? I mean, what Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians is, is, is a dynamic church has, has joy. And man, I, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church that didn't have joy. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church that it's just like, man, people were like going through the motions. And there wasn't any real joy there. I mean, can I just tell you, it's a privilege to be a part of a church that just has joy. To where you, you laugh, even though you laugh at the Cowboys, it's still fun. Many years ago, I was invited to preach at a church in, uh, in near Merritt Island, Florida. And very seldom, you know, if I'm going to preach anywhere on the weekends, I, I want to preach here. I mean, this is great. To me, this is the greatest place uh, this is just to preach. And so because of, of you and the, the way you receive his word and the joy. So I was invited to, to, uh, to, to preach there, and I asked my family about it. And then they're all of us, you know, of course, all of a sudden they're like, woohoo, God's in it. I don't even know why I just did that. That is weird. I, <laughs> I don't even know that I've ever done that. That is weird. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, maybe I'm, anyway. And so my, my family's like, woo, I mean, we're in this. I mean, God has to be in this. And so, so I preached at a church in Merritt Island. And so we, we go to this church and we arrive there. And like nobody really greets us. They don't have a lot of joy. I mean, it's, it's kind of different. And so maybe it didn't help because my wife and my daughters had their swimsuit under their clothes. And they're like, like as soon as it's over, we're heading to the beach. And so, uh, so anyway, so we're there. And so I, I preach. And so I stood up and, and I started off with a joke like I normally do. And nobody laughed. Yeah, I learned at the end of the, the message, you know, that we do not laugh in our church. And so, you know, it's, you know, I'm ADD. And so, you know, what's going through my mind when I'm, I'm preaching and they're like not laughing and they're just, they're looking at me and they're like miserable. It's like they've sucked on lemons all week. And so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, do you not realize I can see your face? I mean, do you not realize I can see how unhappy you look? And so I'm thinking, what is up with this? And so I started having this thought all the way through the sermon. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's because they're still in seat, seated in pews. Maybe that's it. Maybe we need to get them some theater seats so it's a little bit more comfortable, some big cup holders so they can drink some Starbucks, get some caffeine. I don't know what it is, but there just wasn't joy there. And there wasn't a lot of joy there. Listen, the word, I mean, the word should give us joy. It feeds us and it teaches us and it encourages. And Paul says the word must be, it must be preached with power with the Holy Spirit. There's, there's some qualities of, of hearing the word in just verse 5. I'll just go through a couple of the phrases. In fact, there's three of them. Qualities of, of hearing the word is with the Holy Spirit. The phrase says, in the Holy Spirit, with full conviction. In other words, when, when the word is preached with the Holy Spirit, then it's relevant. Listen, it's relevant to your life because it's the Holy Spirit's role. And listen, the Holy Spirit's third part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to, to, to illuminate Scripture for you, uh, to communicate Scripture to you, teach you, to lead you. Um, uh, it's, it's the Holy Spirit's job to apply scripture to your life fact is have you ever been life journaling and you're reading scripture and all of a sudden you come to this scripture that you've read hundreds of times and, and you come to the, you come to that scripture and all of a sudden it like jumps off the page and you know that verse that verse is for me that is can I tell you what that is that's the Holy Spirit that's the Holy Spirit taking God's word and applying it to to your life 
You ever heard a sermon and someone's preaching and you're going, okay, this is a little creepy. Has this guy been following me around? Has this guy heard the conversations going on in our house? Has he heard the conversations, you know, on the way to church? Has he heard what's going on in my office? This is a little creepy. How does this guy know? A lot of times, um, first-time visitors who have been here for a few weeks will stop me, whether it's in the community or in the lobby, and say, hey, I'll let you know. It's a little creepy sometimes. We think you're following us around. And so, you know, I tell them it's just so much fun. Uh, I tell them, well, whatever you do, do not take the bulletin home. They're bugged. They're bugged. That's part of our TA's ministry, that during the week, they listen to all of your conversations in the house, and then that next week, I preach on it. That's how that happens. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, listen, that is the ministry. I'm telling you, that's the ministry. It's the ministry of the, of the Holy Spirit, that he will communicate deep things into your soul. I mean, he can, he can touch your soul. Have you ever heard a worship song? Have you ever been in a worship service? One of ours. And all of a sudden, a lyric or a phrase. And it's like, you're like, that's for me. It's like, oh no. That, that, that is for me. See, that's why I'm so thankful here at Fellowship of Rockies. Man, I appreciate the musicians and I appreciate their voices and the talent that they have. But I think the greatest thing is the content of our worship songs. We just sing His Word. And it, it happened to me Saturday night. Saturday night, I, I'm, I'm in worship. And it's on that song, Believe. And when we, we sang that phrase that says, he makes all things new. He makes all things new, and I'm confident of that. He makes all things new. And all of a sudden, something happened in my soul, and it was a reminder to me. Uh, God, you made me new. You, you made me new. Listen, I don't know about you, but before he made me new, before I met Christ, my life was a wreck. Man, if you had known me before I, became a, before I met Christ, I became a preacher you would have thought there's no way that guy's ever going to be a preacher I'm telling you he made me new and all of a sudden it was just like the Holy Spirit it's just like God just communicated to me that I've I've made you new and not only that I'm in corporate worship with a lot of other people that he's made new when you're in Christ he's made all of us new Every one of us that are in Christ can have testimonies of what we like before we met him and what we were like after we met him. And an, another, another quality is this, with deep conviction, in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. In other words, the word must be believed, the word must be preached and with passion. Listen, it doesn't matter how brilliant, brilliant you are, talented you are, powerful you are, articulate you are. If there's not a commitment to truth, then there's just confusion within the church. I'm telling you. If you don't believe with full conviction that the Bible we have is the Word of God, I mean, if you're one of those people that believe, ah, that Bible you have, it's been, it's been corrupted by the church, it's been through tradition and this and that, it's been revised and rewritten, and we no longer have 
what, what the, the early church had. We no longer have the Bible that the early apostles had. And if you're one of those people, I, ju I just got to tell you, there is overwhelming evidence that the Bible we have is the same Bible the apostles had. The Bible that we, I mean, it's just the evidence is just overwhelming. But if you do not have that conviction, this is the word of God, and Paul's going to talk about this again here in a second. But if you do not have that conviction, then guess what? When you're life journaling, it will not mean the same to you. And, and if you're that person, then how can you trust, and you believe that, how can you trust it? How, how can you believe John 3, 16? That for God so loved the world that he sent his only one, one and only son to die for us. And that whoever, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. See, if you don't understand, if you don't believe, <coughs> excuse me, it's his word, then you will not read it with conviction that it's the word of God. Another quality of hearing the word is just integrity. We know what kind of men we, we prove to be among you for your sake. Listen, if you got to see Paul up close and personal, you would not be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, the word integrity just means integrated, that your life is integrated into one. In other words, you don't live a compartmentalized life. You're, you're different with this group, and you're different with this group of people, and you're different in all of these different settings. That's, integrity is this, is your life is integrated into one. And so if you, if you got to see Paul up close and personal, you got to play golf with him or go hang out with him or go fish with him or go to a Broncos game with him and <laughs> trying to make friends here. He'd be the same person. He'd just be the same person because that's who he is. Listen, I'm telling you, this issue of hearing from him and, and understanding the, the role of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit illuminates and communicates to you in worship and reading the scripture, hearing the word, reading the word, singing the word. He's third part of the Trinity. This is, this is where in last two services, we're in our third service this weekend, this, this, is, this is when I make the Baptist nervous. But I so much believe in the Holy Spirit, I, I pray to the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people are good when you say, hey, I pray to God, I pray to Jesus. They're like, we're, 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 we're good with that. But when all of a sudden you start talking about, you know what, I, I, I pray to the Holy Spirit. And so... And it, the Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us and guides us, illuminates some things. In fact, is in Hebrews it says that the Holy Spirit actually prays for us. It takes takes our prayers when when we we can't get our prayers out. We don't know what to say. That he that he 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 intercedes for us. I tell you before our life journal always pray. I say, Holy Spirit, would you please illuminate your word? Would you please highlight the word? Would you please help? A apply this to my life before I write a sermon I do the same thing do you realize before I preach I do the same thing Holy Spirit would you p help me to understand all the needs in this room because I am willing to bet every one of us in this room has something going on in our life that only God can take care of we're all dealing with something we need him we need him in our life the, th the second thing is this of a key to dynamic church is, is people are receiving it with joy verse 6 um, Paul writes about receiving it 
A dynamic church is one that receives the word with joy. Verse 6, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in, in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they received the word with joy. It wasn't a burden to them. Scripture talks about spiritual maturity as this, is when, when, his, when Scripture no longer seems like a burden to us because he begins changing our desires from our desires to his desires. Our, our, our desires begin to change. And I'm so thankful that there's so much joy here. And it, I mean, and, and, and there, there's easy laughter because not, listen, not every church, listen, not every church accepts the word with, with joy. I mean, it, it's so interesting to me when I, when I meet people out in public um, that introduce themselves as, hey, we come to your church or we're part of Fellowship of the Rockies. We've never gotten to meet you or whether it's in the foyer or whatever. I always ask two questions. They're my favorite questions to ask uh, when I meet someone for the first time that goes to our church. First thing is this, how did you find out about our church? Normally what they tell me is someone invited me and I says, I'm so thankful for that and I'm so thankful for you. That, that, that you have joy and, and, and you, you invite people and you invite people to your church and so that's awesome. And then the second question that I ask is this, is what was your first impression? And it is what was your first impression? Because I, I really want to know that. I said, so what was your first impression? And the overwhelming majority of people will tell me it was just such a friendly place. I mean, I walked in and, and they were like greeters and greeters started welcoming us and it didn't seem to be clicks and people talked to us and, and I mean, it was, I mean, people actually seemed happy to be there and, and it wasn't duty and all of those other things. And then we came into the worship service and, and we just started looking around. It was just amazing to see the diversity, just to see the diversity of, of ethnic backgrounds that we're, 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 not everybody is like the same. And then diversity in, in different ages from the very, very young all the way to the very, very mature. <laughs> I see that hand. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, I mean, it's just awesome that we're all together because usually churches, everybody looks exactly like each other or not accepted. They say, not fellowship of the Rockies. We're just all different and we're all accepted. And there's joy. And, oh, people are attentive and people engage and people engage in worship and they sing and they lift hands and, and all of those other things. And they, they, they are attentive to the word and, and they respond and they says, it's just for us, it's just, it's just a breath of fresh air. Paul said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men. In other words, there was conviction. There was conviction that it is the word of God, and he goes on, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So just understand this. God's word is at work within you. God works his word into you, and you work it out of you. In other words, you work out the implications of your faith. You, he works his word into you, and you work it out as you apply it in your job or your career or your future or your relationships. And so the way in which you and I receive the word with joy is you come with an expectation. I'm telling you, with four services, I no longer can sit through, through all four services from start to finish. Saturday night, start to finish in the service. And I came with an expectation. I came with an expectation. God, will you just do something in my life? Will you remind me of some things? Whatever you need. I came with an expectation, not only what God was going to do in my life, but what God was going to do in our lives corporately. And then, and then you're just attentive and, and you just engage because, listen, 
Worship. Worship is, is both activity and attitude. Worship is both activity and attitude. I mean, it's just a sobering story with, with Martha in the Bible. Martha welcomed Jesus, and Martha served Jesus, and Jesus turns around and rebukes her because she forgot the first thing. She forgot to worship. She forgot to worship him. See, when you understand the different moods of a, of a service, that, that we are journeying together in a worship service, to the, to the Holy of Holies. We're coming into the presence corporately, which is different than coming into his presence individually. And you understand the moods of the services, and when we clap, we're not clapping for someone singing. We're not clapping for an individual. You know what we're doing? We are thanking God, and we're clapping for him and for his word. When people say amen, you know what amen means? Just the Hebrew definition of the word amen is this. May it be true in my life. When you hear something and you scream out or you say, you say amen, you know what you're saying? God, may that be true in my life. God, would you work that into, into my life? I mean, there's, there's different moods of a service. Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, there's a, that there's a time for everything. Then there's, then there's a response. In other words, there's like a next step for every one of us. Every one of us has a next step doesn't matter how mature in Christ you are. That's what Paul was telling him in Thessalonica. Paul was telling him, guess what? You, you got a next step. Just do not tap the brakes with persecution or difficulty. Just press in. And then the prayer response at the end. When people just respond to him, when we pray for one another, we encourage one another, we support one another. There's something for every one of us to do in that time, regardless if we're coming down or we're just standing and just praying for them. It's not like a two-minute warning to where we're almost out of here and get our stuff and let's get out of here. It, it, that, that is an important time of our service. The last key of dynamic church is when we're sharing the gospel. In other words, we're sharing our faith. We're, we're unashamed about our faith, and we invite people. In verse 7 and 8, he says, so that you become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth, that's just such an important phrase, from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we, not, we, so that we need not say anything. In other words, they didn't focus on, on themselves. They focused on spreading the gospel. They understood a church and planting a church is just, just a tool. It's a tool for the gospel. That, that phrase, sounded forth, uh, means a trumpet. It means that clear, distinct trumpet sound that can be heard all over the community it's an amazing thing about fellowship the rockies when we hear reports all over this community about transformation or life change or ministry or people are saying fellowship the rockies is involved in this or fellowship the rockies is doing this or i know people that go to fellowship of the rockies paul says you know what everybody knows of your faith and what's going on there Verse 9, he goes on, he says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about life transformation. He's talking about lives that, that were changed, lives that, that have testimonies, that he makes all things, all things new. 
that his love, listen, his love never gives up on us. And his love never runs out on us. In verse 10, he goes on and he says, and wait for his, and to wait for, for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who, who delivers us from the wrath to come. I'm telling you, affected evangelism is when the community starts talking about your church. When the community starts saying, that church, lives are being changed there. That church, there's, there's joy there. That church, everybody's accepted. That church, they, somehow they can all come together from different ages and different backgrounds, and they just worship him. Had a friend a few years ago that was a, a pastor uh, from Texas that came up to help us and to guide us, guide our pastors through some things. And so uh, the morning before we were to meet, I, well, I think it was, anyway, the morning before we were to meet, I think it was a Saturday, uh, he stopped for breakfast and at, a, at a breakfast. I just, I forgot the name of the restaurant. You know that place that looks like a garage sale? Oh, yeah, Cracker Barrel. Thank you. I didn't know if that was voices in my head or Pastor Chad. <laughs> Cracker Barrel. I probably shouldn't have said the place it looks like a garage sale. You know, I just get that feeling sometimes. Like, hey, I stumbled into a garage sale. Hey, how about breakfast? Where were we? So anyway, so, so he stopped in Cracker Barrel. And he, 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 he told the server, he said, hey, listen, I'd like to go to church somewhere. Where would you recommend? He just wanted to see what she'd say. And she says, you got to go to the Fellowship of the Rockies. That's my church. And she started witnessing to him. And she said, you know what? If you come, I'll look for you. Sit with me. I tell you, that's effective bat evangelism. That's a, that's a dynamic church. When all of us in the community starts talking, about your church.